When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 104 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, Uremchuk and Coomsey back with you for another episode of the pod. Not only brought to you by DoorDash, but also Montana's only a few weeks, about three weeks left and all you can eat rib fest. Hashtag get Montana's messy. Am I right? You're very right. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty Montana's messy again. As I said last time, look at the wild card race. Mm, That's really yep. Montana's messy. It is. I'm going back to Montana's tomorrow, actually. For again? Lunch. No, sorry. Wednesday for lunch. And that's going to cover you for the next like 48 hour block. Yeah. You're going to have like 22 pounds of ribs and you're going to be feeling really messy. Afterwards, but that you know I mean? is the beauty of all you can eat ribs is you can eat enough food to last you like two days and it's all you can eat. Anyways, uh, let's get into things here uh, again. The promo code for DoorDash is DD gets first time users 25% off and no delivery fees really solid weekend by the Toronto Blue Jays taking three of four from the New York Yankees if you would have told us that at the beginning of the series we would have been thrilled by it but still ah they let that fourth one slip that was a winnable ball game actually it's it's really funny (laughs) it's really funny when you look at how much of a series vibe comes down to how they play in that last game. Like you think about the Baltimore yeah. series and it's like, wow, the Orioles rolled into Toronto and took the first two games of the series. But then the Jays in their last game had a damn near perfect game from Ross Stripling and a huge seventh or eighth inning or whatever it yeah. was. And everyone was feeling great, but you had just lost two or three to the Orioles. And then you go into New York and you win three of the first three games in a row against the Yankees at Yankee stadium. But you then lose the Sunday game and it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So despite having objectively a better series against New York than against Baltimore. Oddly, I feel like less charged up now than I did after that Baltimore series. It's weird. Well, and especially because of four game sweep, like if you would have finished that off, we would have been coming in here talking about a team that's six games back of the New York Yankees for the AL East. And it's like, okay, then with like a month and a couple weeks, six weeks ago in the regular season, it'd be like, you can easily catch the Yankees by a game a week, so to speak down the stretch. And now eight games back just Mm -hmm. feels a little bit more daunting, even though this is a bit of an aside life doesn't get easier for the New York Yankees right now. Like they, it's big that they got that win against the Jays because they have to play a two gamer with the Mets where they go DeGrom Scherzer in those two games. Like they could very easily drop the next two games with how kind of shitty their bats have been for lack of a better phrase over the last few days. So the Yankees are not in the clear at all. The Jays get to go play a Red Sox team that, you know, is playing decent ball right now. They're under 500 on the year. They've been awful against teams that are over 500, but they are six and four in their last 10. So my point is 
Still a chance here for the Jays to maybe gain a little bit more ground in the next four days on the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Like, I think that's kind of where we're at right now. It's Mm -hmm. mid-late August and they're eight games back. It's pretty unlikely, but it's not. You know, in early July, the Yankees led the division by 15 and a half games. So the, given the way things were going at that time, it kind of looked like we'd be heading into September and the Yankees would be, I don't know, 23 games up yeah. in the American League. And instead, they're only eight. So, you know, given the way the Yankees are going and like we saw it in that series, they do not look good. They're a team that doesn't look confident at all. Like the fans pretty clearly have had it. They're booing yeah. everything. They were booing Aaron Judge. I mean, of all the guys on the team <laughs> not to be booing, they were, you know, getting getting on that guy so it's like you can just tell the vibes around that team are absolutely terrible so it wouldn't be entirely shocking to see them kind of continue to collapse into september but i'm not banking on it i still have my eyes on the top wild card spot and hosting the three game wild card series that 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 that's the realistic goal yeah and as it should be um you mentioned aaron judge it is very surprising to hear the home crowd boo a guy who points bet has as the minus 550 (laughs) favorite to win the american league mvp he's having just an incredible season um the other interesting thing from a yankees perspective was aaron boone's reaction after that one loss like banging his fist on the table in his press conference I don't this is just me seeing that and kind of going "Ooh, that feels like a manager who doesn't have a great grip on things right now I wonder if there would have been a change there had they lost. I got a buddy who's a Yankees fan and I saw him on what would have been Saturday night. So after the Jays had won three in a row and I kind of said, as a fan, do you want to see a managerial change? And his thing, just a fan again, but he goes, man, I would have loved to see him can Boone. He's not a big Aaron Boone guy. He goes, I would love to see him can Boone and bring in Joe Girardi. Really? That's, I couldn't believe that's, that. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. I was kind of wondering because with the Jays with Charlie, it was always like, okay, you have John Schneider here. Mm-hmm. He's the guy they won with in double a seems kind of like he, he was a prospect as a manager at the same time. Those prospects were coming up like yeah. blue Jays top prospect as a manager, John Schneider. And it seemed inevitable, but when you're New York, it's like, I don't know if there's a guy they have in triple a or a bench coach or someone who can immediately come in and replace Boone. So Girardi is really the one. His thinking was in a lot of spots, Girardi has come in and won quickly when taking over a group. Okay. So the idea would be, you know, history with the organization. Obviously, the media scene there. Yeah. Like if you want a calming voice who isn't going to panic under the pressure of New York and has a history of winning quickly, you would make that swap. But I kind of look at that and I go, that seems like a panic move to me. It seems like a panic move. It's August 22nd. You're first place in your division. Yeah. You don't do that. I don't know. That's not normal. Like, that's- even if you had lost all four to the Jays, I don't think we would have been sitting here talking about Boone getting fired on a Monday morning. No, I don't think I don't see them bringing in somebody in late August and having that turn the tides like part of New York's issues is their pitchers are burning out. Yeah. Giancarlo Stanton's injured. It's like, what is a new manager going to do? Like, yeah. who, who are you getting more out of? Like, what strategy are you going to operate with differently? Like. It is what it is. But I mean, from a Blue Jays perspective, it would have been hilarious to see the Yankees do such like a panic move. When I saw Boone spazzing out, I kind of saw somebody who was doing something theatrical because they felt they had to react. That's kind of mm. how it it came across to me. It didn't. It, it Not genuine. It didn't seem like genuine emotions to me. It just seemed like a guy who was annoyed and felt they had to do something to kind of be in the media and take away from the fact the team was, you know, losing to a divisional rival like that. And that's a fair point. And, and a lot of times that's what you'll see managers do, right? Try to deflect the story a little bit from mm-hmm. underperforming players to a manager who's frustrated. Um, he was driven to that point because of the way the Blue Jays played in the first three games of that series. So 
Let's get into the three up portion of three up, three down for this four gamer in the Bronx. And we'll start with the first game where Jose Barrios goes up against Frankie Montas. Montas, the big deadline ad by uh, by the Yankees, a player that the Jays were apparently in on. A lot of fans wanted the Jays to aggressively pursue Barrios outduels him going six and two thirds, allowing one earned run and striking out nine. A very good performance from Barrios. But I will say this. We've seen very good performances from Jose Barrios this season, and I don't think this is magically going to be like a run of great starts. I need to see more than one to be convinced. I don't think at any point I'm going to be convinced about what to expect from Jose Barrios at all this season. I'm thrilled to see see starts like that. That's the Jose Barrios we're expecting. But given the way the season's gone, it wouldn't be shocking if his next start was terrible. But it is what it is. Like if you get a handful of these good starts the rest of the way, that's awesome. There's going to yeah. be some bad ones sprinkled in. Uh, maybe now the pressure is on. He's going to come through a bit more. But I'm trying to kind of look at his starts and figure out if there's any kind of pattern. And what we had was, I think, possibly his worst start of the season. I mean, there have been quite a few. <laughs> but I think the one that stands out the most for me was that one where he only went two and two thirds in Milwaukee yeah. and allowed eight runs. After that really bad start, it was five innings, six innings, six innings, six and a third, five and two thirds, seven innings. It was an entire month's worth of good, solid starts. It was a quality start in every single one except for the five inning one. And then after that, it was two terrible starts, one against Minnesota, one against Cleveland. So uh, the the Cleveland one, he allows eight runs in four innings. And that was, again, one of the worst ones of the season. He kind of wore that one a bit. They let him out there to like log some innings and allow some runs. And then he came back and pitched really quite well against the Yankees. I kind of think if the pattern is similar from last time, we should have a run of strong Jose Burrio starts here. But this is a very arbitrary pattern that I'm reaching for. Yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm looking for a reason to believe that Jose Burrios is going to put together like five good starts in a row. Who knows if it'll actually happen. But it seems after he has a really, really, really shit start, then he has a few good ones. His ERA in the month of August through three starts, despite that dominant start against the Yankees, his August ERA is still 8.79. Um, that sucks. But so it's gotten better. July, his ERA was three. I'd like yeah. to see that over the course of a month, kind of like you pointed out, right? He rattled off a few really solid starts there. So he doesn't need to be as good as he was against the Yankees every time out. But, you know, against Boston, I'd like to see a Quality start is kind of the expectation. The New York start, too, I thought was really encouraging because it looked at times like the wheels were going to fall off. I mean, in that third inning, he walks a guy, hits a guy with the pitch, and then there's that ground ball and he makes that terrible throw to Vlad. And it's like, oh, geez, like the wheels are going to fall off here. Like he's lost the strikes on his losses composure. But, you know, he he settled it down and got through it. And that's what I think is the most encouraging part about it. So let's hope this is the beginning of another stretch. Like we saw in July for Jose Barrios, because if he has a good late August and September, who gives a shit about his up and down season? If he comes through in his remaining, what, six or seven starts this year, we'll forget about all the bad starts earlier this year. And if he gives us a good playoff memory or two, that'll go a long ways in forgetting about the early season struggles as well. Uh, It was not the only great start the Jays got in this series. In game two, they throw Kevin Gosman on the bump and he goes seven strong, doesn't allow a single earned run and strikes out seven in the process. Um, That was just a stuff. And his he's faced some bad luck this year. Like I Mm -hmm. specifically go back to sort of that Cleveland start where you know, he ends up giving he ended up giving up five earned runs, um, but it was a lot of counts that were going late where Cleveland was just 
just getting a piece of some balls or he was just missing the zone. And then it was like blue pit, bad defense. This guy gets on because one squeaks through the infield. And that was kind of the story of the season for Gosman. But he was great against the Yankees. It's interesting to see Gosman's home and away splits are so significant. Like you go and look at the month that he's had in August so far and it's four starts. Four of three of which are just like fantastic dominant starts. He goes up against Tampa in Tampa. It's eight innings, only one hit, strikes out 10 guys. That's arguably his best start of the year. Uh, the other start in Minnesota it was six shutout innings, five strikeouts, solid start. And then there was the one we just had against the Yankees. Another fantastic start, seven innings, strikes out seven guys. But then the one start at home, like you mentioned at Cleveland's mm-hmm. four and two thirds allows five runs. And it just seems like he gets babbit to death specifically in Toronto. I've never really seen like you You kind of know that pitching in Toronto, it's not necessarily a pitcher's park like the ball flies yeah. there. And then you also have the turf. So the bounces are weird, that kind of thing. But I, I, I never really expected to see that extreme of home and away splits for a pitcher with with Toronto like that. But it's, it's bad it's, luck, right? Like, it's not like he just comes to Toronto and like pitches terribly. Like a lot of it is, like you said, he's getting babbit to death. It's just so weird. Like you just, you just never see something like yeah. that. I, I don't think there's anything to it. I think it's just random. It's completely random, but yeah. such is life. Um, and also while we're on the ups, like we haven't even talked about the bats at all. And the bats were really solid through three games, but Mitch white deserves an up as well. Like this, this guy's come in and he wasn't exactly the, you know, quote unquote, sexiest deadline ad. He wasn't the Noah Syndergaard pickup that everybody kind of wanted, but he's come in and made a few starts and been pretty solid in them. He's only allowed five earned runs over the course of his three starts as a Blue Jay. And, you know, there were some tense moments against the Yankees. He still mm-hmm. did give up seven hits, um, but he ended up holding them to one earned run. He struck out five. It's in the Bronx. It's an intimidating ballpark. He had family in attendance. I just think that was a really impressive showing from Mitch White. And, you know, Kikuchi now moved to the bullpen. Mitch White's going to be a guy who's going to get more starts down the stretch here. If he can just consistently go four innings for you every time he's on the mound, you're thrilled with that. Yeah, that's exactly the start they weren't getting with Yusei Kikuchi. You have Mitch White and no one's expecting him to go out there and do what Gosman or Barrios did in the first two games and yeah. toss, you know, seven innings and strike out 12 guys. But with Mitch White, you got, you know, four innings of one run ball that gives you a chance to win. And then the other impressive part about this game is having pretty much your entire bullpen come out minus Jordan Romano. He wasn't available in this game and the bullpen just completely shuts everything down. Simber clean inning strikes out two. David Phelps an inning strikes out three guys. Anthony Bass comes in, strikes out a guy. Zach Pop allowed a bullshit home run, whatever. And then Jimmy Garcia comes in and finishes it off. And that's, you know, five innings from your bullpen and all of a sudden the bullpen doesn't really seem like a problem anymore. Like adding those two guys at the deadline. Now Trevor Richards, also another one has kind of come back since he was on the injured list and he's been effective again. Like all of a sudden the Jays have a pretty deep bullpen. One where there's guys like Julian Merriweather is pitching really well in AAA. Uh, Tim Mazes in a rehab stint. Nate Pearson allegedly might be right around the corner from coming back. All of a sudden you have (laughs) a lot of different arms that could contribute to your bullpen and not necessarily enough spots to deal with all of them, which is a great problem to have because two months ago it was like, who the fuck are you going (laughs) to throw out here to do the seventh inning or whatever when you had like two good relievers, but nice problem to have. And I think the bullpen was quite strong against the Yankees. You mentioned Richards over his last 15 games, he's pitched 16 and a third and he has a 2.76 ERA. And he struck out 23 batters in that stretch. Him returning to a respectable form is just massive. 
Um, you mentioned like almost too many spots now in that bullpen or sorry, not enough spots. I should say too many guys pitching well. And what a tremendous problem to have that is for the Blue Jays. Um, there were a lot of positives when it comes to the bats. Vladdy hitting the dinger off Montas in the first game, really setting the tone for that series. Um, yeah. Chapman hit a big dinger as well in the game that they won 5-2, kind of giving the Jays a little bit of insurance. Teo hits a big dinger as well. Um, That was all good. George Springer did not play a lot in this series, but he goes five for five. Um, Just tremendous stuff. Like when they need him playing, they need him healthy. I understand why they're being cautious and all that stuff. And there's been some bad luck with the ball that he hit off himself. But um a great series again from Springer, even in limited action. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny because I think we talked about this in the last podcast after he came up with that big hit in the uh, final game in the Orioles series. It was like, okay, now what we need is for George Springer to carry this momentum into New York yeah. and lead things off. And lo and behold, in his first at bat, he gets on base and he goes five for five the entire game. And then unfortunately he's out with the injury for the next couple of games, but then he pinch hits on Sunday and again he hits. So I think he's seven for his last seven at bats, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah, it I was six so. for six in the Yankees series. It was fantastic to see a major catalyst. It's just a damn shame that mm-hmm. there's another weird yeah, nagging right. injury that's keeping him out of the lineup. It's 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 bizarre how bad of luck the Jays have had with guys getting hit by pitches or pitchers getting hit by comebackers. Yeah, like uh, Alec Manoa, I think, has now been hit twice. Uh, Kevin Gosman got hit once and that was right before the Seattle series. And I think that was a pretty key reason why that series was a mess mm-hmm. is because they lost the Gosman start in that series and had to do the Casey Lawrence start. Um, yeah. And then Springer has been hit by the ball multiple times and he's had issues. It's, it's a confoundingly bad luck for the team, but as with Springer is you kind of take what you get. Like if he has to miss two or three games there, yeah, that kind of sucks, but you'd rather have him have that healthy September. They need that so badly. Um, how about John Schneider finding a way to get him into the plate? And that, that last was awesome. Game. Um, so if you missed it, what happened was they take Espinal out of the game. They throw Biggio in to get the lefty on righty matchup. As soon as Biggio is announced in the game, the Yankees pull the pitcher. They bring in a righty. As soon as they bring in a righty, Schneider pulls Biggio out and goes with Springer. So they get the matchup they wanted with the lefty on righty with Springer. It just took a little bit of dancing to get there, but some great managerial work from John Schneider. There was masterclass from Schneider. And that's why it's kind of unfortunate that the Jays didn't win that Sunday game is because it looked like they had a really good rally going. And then Jackie Bradley Jr. comes up and draws the bases loaded walk. And it's like, geez, Bradley Zimmer never would have been able to have such an at bat. And then it was unfortunate. Gurriel and Vladdy couldn't, you know, drive in the runs when they had the chance. Then Adam Simber ultimately blows the lead. But yeah, that was really good stuff from John Schneider. It was, you could kind of feel like as soon as Espinal was pulled from the game, it was like, this feels like something. It feels like they're trying to do something kind of 3D chess like. I don't really think that the goal here is to have Cabin Biggio come in and bat against a fireball reliever. So I was kind of surprised that the Yankees pulled Jonathan Loizaga out to put yeah. in a lefty just to face Biggio. Because let's be honest, if you have a fireball throwing righty, you can probably just pitch to Biggio. But I guess that's why Yankees fans all want their manager gone. Yeah. Potentially Um, that ties into our first down from this series. And we touched on it off the jump, but just letting that one slip when you had so many chances, right? Like seven guys left on base. You have the bases loaded for Gurriel and Vladi, two guys who have just been hitting the ball so well over the last month, pretty much for Gurriel. It's been all season. His batting average because he went over four in that game is finally back below 300. He's batting 299 on the year. Um, They really let one slip there. Like that was a chance to make 
make a statement four straight at Yankee Stadium and you just didn't quite get the big hit when you needed it. It's a yeah. frustrating way to close it out. Yeah, that 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 to me felt like um, that was Vladdy's the biggest at bat of his season. I don't know if I'd call it the biggest at bat of his career just yet. I think some people were saying that on Twitter, but that at bat in the fourth game of the Yankees series was definitely his biggest one of the season. And unfortunately didn't come through. There's uh yeah, there's something to look at here with the Jays is they haven't been quite as clutch in the eighth and ninth innings as they were last year. Yep. Maybe they weren't so clutch last year, but I remember them pulling off kind of like more of these late games, late game comebacks. than they have this year. Vladdy's been one guy who in the later innings really seems to struggle. It really seems like when he comes up in these situations, the ball always winds up on the ground and it's 2019 Vladdy all over again. I'm not really sure if there's anything to that or if it's just random, but yeah, something, yeah. something to keep an eye on through September. That is interesting because sometimes I think the idea of being quote unquote clutch is like a little bit overblown. Yeah, it can be, sure. it can be a lot of luck. It can be a lot of matchups getting, you know, the right matchup at the right time kind of thing. But then you go and you watch what a guy like George Springer just seems to consistently do when the game's on the line. And he's always coming through for this team time and time again. And like you said, Vladdy seems to slip into 2019 mode where he just hits the ball on the ground when it's a big moment. And I do wonder how much of that is maybe Vladdy still as much as we recognize him as a superstar in the game. Just being a young hitter who gets up there, you see the bases loaded, you're at Yankee Stadium, you, you're you fully aware, aware of what is on the line and you just kind of lose your routine a little bit. You slip back into a 2019 form where you're just relying on you're, you're forgetting your adjustments, right? The things that you need to be doing and you slip back into an older form of yourself. But yeah, there's, there's no doubt that they had the chance right there yeah. to, to do it. That would have been coming up with a huge inning there and winning that game, say six, two or six, three or whatever would have been like an absolute kick to the nuts of the Yankees only coming out of that with only a yeah. six game lead in your division after you'd been up by so much getting swept at home four games would have been devastating but kind of let them off the hook a little bit there yep. which is unfortunate but all in all very good weekend Springer injury letting one slip away Sunday uh, the third down we're reaching a little for this one but it was a great <laughs> moment that we need to talk about and that's Garrett Cole freaking the hell out on Alec Manoa when he plunked Aaron Judge because obviously the Blue Jays ace and a tight one run game uh, where he you know he was, he was grinding his way through that start I think is a fair way to put it um, he ended up going six innings he only gave up the one earned run um, but why would he hit Aaron judge in that situation? And you would think that Garrett Cole would have the ability to put himself in that position and be like, Hmm, probably not a position where he's looking to hit him. Judge and Manoa were all good when they kind of met up and Garrett Cole decided to act like a little piss baby. Yeah. You can kind of pretty clearly look at Alec Manoa's stats last year. He led the league and hit by pitches with 16 this year. He's in the league with 13. So I mean, it's pretty clear what's going on here. This is a young guy who throws a wide variety of pitches and doesn't necessarily have pinpoint command. He's a guy who sometimes just doesn't have it. And it just it just happens. It's um, he's a guy that loses the ball and hits somebody. It's really not the end of the world. It kind of reminds me of last year with that game in Baltimore when things yeah. really came unglued and he wound up getting suspended. Seemed kind of stupid to me. But to be fair, at that point, he was a rookie. So whatever people didn't really know exactly what to expect, but now he's been around long enough. He's been around for like the full season go around, you know, that his command is kind of, eh. 
So I don't know where this spaz comes from or if Cole was projecting because he had a mediocre start the night before. I don't know, but it just seems like a whole bunch of bullshit to me. I really, really, really doubt that if there was a brawl that Garrett Cole would be one of the guys out there throwing punches. Someone said it on Twitter, but they're like, he'd be the guy who'd run out there and then ask to be held back right, yeah. and do that tough guy thing. Uh, Alec Manoa's quote was amazing, as most are from Manoa. I love the way he is in the media. He goes, if Garrett wants to do something, he can walk past the Audi sign next time, um, which is the logo go painted in front of the Yankees dugout. So very well played by Manoa. Yeah, it is. He's a <laughs> Alec Manoa has done a fantastic job of making himself an enemy in New York, which yeah. I think is fun. I, I, I do quite enjoy that from his first career start there. All he's done is really own the Yankees in that park, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's it's nice having a guy that just goes in there and more often than not dominates and someone who now seems to be getting under the skin of their players, their fans that 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 is a positive. That's what we like to see from the big man. That's his energy. This is, uh, you know, off topic a little, but I'm so excited to see what he can do in like September and October. He just seems like a guy who loves the big moment. Right. And oh, yeah. he's shown throughout his short career that in big starts, he does well. Like he likes going to Yankee Stadium and being on that stage. Um, I'm very like I, I yeah. there's a part of me that almost says give him game one. You don't give Gosman game one. You, you give Manoa game one. We talked about this last year when uh, they were right in the mix for the wild card. And I think both of us were pretty on board with if the Jays make it to the wild card game, Manoa's your guy. Yeah. That's what we both said last year. So I'm in more a than three game series. You would go Manoa or Gosman get game one and two. Right. And then you'd have to just trust Barrios in game three. Yeah. What do you do? Do you start Barrios and then have a quick leash for stripling or Mitch white or what I don't know. It's hard. It, I guess interesting. It just, it just depends on who's going well, right? Yeah. Like if Barrios's lights out for all of September, then sure you go for it. Ah, there's there's still so much baseball that's been played. Like there's still more than a month left in the season, which it's seems wild. insane. It on, it honestly feels like it's coming to a close in the next week or two for some reason. But there's still a ton of time for stuff to happen. They've only played 120 games. Yeah, there are basically still is a quarter of the season left. That's insane. It's wild. Uh, it's been a real grind. Right now, we have a three-way tie in the AL wildcard. Tampa, Toronto, and Seattle all evened up. Uh, the Mariners have one more win than the Rays and Jays, but they also have one more loss than the Rays and Jays. Uh, the Mariners, though, coming off a not great weekend where they found a way to lose two of three to Oakland. To Oakland, Coombsy. That's funny. Oakland's... Uh yeah, I saw I saw a tweet today. Somebody pointed out that I think Oakland only has two guys on their roster right now that are making over a million dollars. That's ridiculous. Tampa took three of four from Kansas City. Baltimore took two of three from Boston. Um, so, you know, things broke OK on the out of town scoreboard. You know, the Rays take three of four from KC, but you expected that. The Royals are largely yeah. junk. Baltimore won their series against Boston. That's expected. The Red they Sox just won't slow great. down, man. The Orioles just, they won't stop. They need to relax. Yeah. Get over it. They do need to relax. <laughs> um, they have a series coming up. They're taking on the White Sox this week to start. Uh, the Mariners get the Nationals. Not great for the Jays. Uh, Jays are in Boston. Tampa Bay is in LA. Um, so again, like the Jays are going to have to take care of business against Boston because Baltimore is playing a team that is technically worse than them, albeit it's close. The Mariners are playing a junk opponent and the Rays are playing a junk opponent. So not great. Yeah. So the Jays need to roll and capitalize on the Red Sox because yeah. the Red Sox have been, I think the Red Sox have been probably Toronto's easiest American league opponent this year. We thought it was going to be Baltimore, but that has not been the case. So the Jays need to capitalize on their games against the shittiest AL East opponent, which is the Red Sox right now. Before we get to our look ahead, John Gibbons is on Twitter. 
Yeah. That was a great little uh, pop-up surprise. That is very enjoyable. I wonder what the plan is there. Is he planning to start a podcast or is he trying to get into the mix in the media or is he just wanting to post and reply? He's, he's, he's quite the reply guy, which I enjoy seeing. He's, he's replying to most people who are interacting with him, which is very funny. It's super funny. Like the guy's been on Twitter for like 48 hours and he's already been tweeting. I think he's tweeted 150 times or something like he's basically just sitting there with the laptop and crushing out tweets. Uh, he's at John Gibbons. 05, 132 tweets to be exact. But you're right. Majority of these are just replies to people. Um, yeah, it's great. Gibby's got reply guy energy. That's what we like to see. He does have reply guy <laughs> energy. I wouldn't be surprised if he's angling for a media thing. That seems about right. Should we get him on the show? We should, if his DMs were open, I, w- I would say definitely. We Do we, can we, can we DM him live on the pod? Well, maybe you can give it a go. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if like come September, we get a little John Gibbons on Sportsnet action. I would assume from his so. little he's, office he's, he's, he's got to be uh, doing an appearance somewhere. And the way he was tweeting too, was very analysis. Yeah. That's not a word. This is what we saw with Ricky Romero as well. He yeah. like randomly showed up on Twitter and was replying to everything and doing analysis. And now he's on a podcast with the athletic. It's just, it's just usually how it goes. Yeah. Um, I would love to see more John. Yeah, Evans absolutely. Is the point. It was great to pop up more, more, more people from like that era of the blue Jays. I'd yeah. love to see Jose Bautista back in the mix oh, a little bit more. That'd be nice. Wouldn't it be great if to open up the wild card series, like Jose Bautista's in the building, like throwing out the first pitch. Yeah. He's doing the PA announcing again. Like he did that one game. He was suspended. <laughs> Uh, All right, we're going to pause here for a second and then get to our look ahead. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Look Ahead is brought to you by PointsBet Canada. Live in Ontario, find all your odds needs. The Jays will undoubtedly be favorites when they take on the Boston Red Sox. Game one, uh, it's going to be Stripling going for the Jays. They'll also have Barrios and Gosman on deck. Uh, this is a Red Sox team that is not that good and not playing great ball as of late. They dropped two or three to the Baltimore Orioles. Like I said earlier, they are under 500 with a record of 60 and 62. They are 39 and 49 when playing teams that are better than 500. This is a series in which the Jays should hammer the Red Sox. Simple as that. Yeah, they really should. The Jays have done well against the Red Sox this year, and that's pretty much what I was just saying. And they're avoiding Boston's, I guess, kind of one good starter they've had this year, which is Michael Waka, because he just pitched in that series that uh, Boston just had. So the names that I think are going to be pitching, and it's not easy to predict with Boston because they've been operating with like a six man, seven ish man rotation where they also have bullpen days. But uh, it looks like it's going to be Rich Hill, Josh Winkowski, I think. And then also Cutter Crawford, which be, which would be kind of a bullpen day. Josh Winkowski was a prospect the Jays traded to the Mets for Steven Matz. And then he wound up getting flipped to the Red Sox in a different deal. So that'd be interesting for the Jays to face a former one of their farmhands. But those are three pitchers the Jays should hit. This is uh, <laughs> yeah, like and they have good starters going for them right now. Ross Stripling's as good as anybody the way that he pitched in his first game off the injured list. Um, Jose Barrios, as we've talked about, maybe is um, going to start a nice little streak here because you know, my, if my logic is correct, whether that's accurate, I don't know. But then you also have Kevin Gosman, who seems to have unlocked something and also has been very dominant against the Red Sox this season as well. So this sets up very nicely for the Jays. Quite honestly, I think you can go into this with the expectation of sweeping. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Uh, three night games, though, 710 Eastern across the board. So there would be no chance for us to do afternoon beers on a Thursday after a sweep, which is largely disappointing. But anyways, I agree with you. Like this is a stretch coming up here where you get the Red Sox, you get the Angels who are not that good either. The Angels record on the season is 52 and 69. And then you get the Cubs right after that. Oh, There's yeah. 16 games under 500 as well. Like this is a stretch. And then you get the Pirates after that. Yeah, they have to capitalize here because it's not easy after that at all. So you have this stretch, Boston, the Angels, the Cubs, the Pirates, and then it's Baltimore, who we're not saying is bad anymore. There's no more the Orioles. No, no, shit. No. no more. And then there's Texas. Texas isn't great, but they're not terrible either. And then it's five against fucking Tampa. That's going to suck. And then it's Baltimore again, then Philly, then Tampa, then New York, then Boston, then Baltimore. I do like that we do this every podcast. We talk about it every time. We, we literally rattle off the entire schedule to end the season, every show to wrap things up. Yeah. But these next 12 games specifically in this run where in reverse order, it's Pirates. Then before that, it's Cubs. Before that, it's Angels. And it's a series against the Red Sox. We talked about 40 games to go in the regular season or whatever. You do yourself a huge favor if you go 10 and 2 in these 12 games. And that's not exactly like the most unrealistic thing when you look at the quality of opponents. I do think that they're running into Otani in one of those Angels games just based on him making a start the other day. I think that'll line up. Um, so that one will be a tough game, sure, because hey, they, beat him, they beat him earlier this year. And the Tigers got to Otani the other day. He didn't pitch that well against them. Um, but in these 12 games, if you go 10 and 2, you're laughing. You're you're putting yourself in the driver's seat down the stretch in terms of either maybe 
pie in the sky dream of catching the Yankees, but for sure you're putting yourself in the driver's seat when it comes to grabbing that top wildcard spot, which we talked about is important. So this is a crucial, crucial stretch for the Jays, even if the opponents are lackluster. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's huge. You have to create yourself a bit of a cushion because those Tampa and those Baltimore games down the stretch are not going to be easy. Those are going to be, it's going to be like a three weeks of playoff games, man. There's going to be games against the Yankees, against the Orioles and against the Rays that all feel like playoff games. It's going to be taxing on you. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be intense. So they pressure ball. They have to capitalize. There aren't that many weak teams left. Capitalize on your weak teams. Mm-hmm. So many times this season, the Jays have had a part of the schedule. We're like, oh, yeah, here it is here. They're going to go and win eight games in a row. And then they, you know, go and lose two of three to Oakland and then get swept by Seattle. Like you can't have those streaks anymore. The Jays have to capitalize nine and three in this 12 game stretch. Uh, anything worse than that would be yeah. would be devastating. Just devastating. Just be fucked. All right. It would be Montana's messy. If they, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, Montana's messy implies something good. So it would be whatever, maybe a, a bad kind of messy. Like getting Montana's messy is like, you know, you're covered in okay. barbecue sauce. You ate a good meal. So the Jays are going to get Montana's messy and they're going to rattle off 12 games in a row. And that's, that's what it means. That's what we Montana's like to hear. Messy. Shout out to our friends at DoorDash and at Points Bet Canada as well. And of course, Montana's all you can eat rib fest on until September 12th. That's going to do it for episode 104 of BGN Radio. Enjoy the series against the Red Sox. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.